Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, in the middle of the summertime, I always like to do something a little different on the show. And, well, today is one of those days. Now, over the years, you have heard me talk with with great pride about my three kids that my wife Trish and I have been blessed with. And a few weeks ago, for example, my older daughter, Alyssa, she's the uh, the stand-up comic, uh, she called unexpectedly into the show, and we had some great laughs. So she's talking about the women's soccer team. She thought I was being a bit sexist. <laughs> well, uh, when, when she was in high school, Alyssa, uh, she was a dedicated swimmer and an excellent scorer in lacrosse. And my younger daughter, Samantha, uh, she's the one who was a terrific all-around athlete. She played basketball, soccer, also a top lacrosse player. She graduated from Michigan, and, and these days uh, she works for the PGA in corporate partnerships. And then there's my son, John. Now 35, John was a superb baseball, ice hockey, and soccer player growing up. And he really began to shine in high school in ice hockey and baseball. In fact, he was named to the New York State Empire State Games two years in a row as a defenseman in hockey. And in baseball, well, he started on the high school varsity baseball team as a freshman at shortstop. Played a lot of travel sports and hockey and baseball before heading off to Harvard, where he focused on baseball, but did play on the Harvard JV hockey team. John was drafted and signed after his junior year by the White Sox. He also played in the Mets organization and also played some independent league baseball as well. He went on to Columbia Business School where he focused on finance and these days is a highly successful, a highly regarded expert on investing for Omega Advisors with John's specialty being on Silicon Valley tech stocks and new ventures. But most importantly, John and his wife Karen, who is also a a top athlete, They have a daughter, Riley, who is 15 months old. And I thought it would be interesting on the show this morning, again, something a little different, to get John's views on sports parenting, especially now that he's about to join the ranks of sports parents. (laughs) And to that end, my son, John Wolf, joins me this morning by phone. John, how you doing? Hey, Dad. Good morning. Yeah, well, uh, I I must tell you, it gives me great pride to talk about you and your sisters. And, uh, of course, you and your your, your siblings give uh, your mom and me great, great joy. Uh, And as you know, clearly you grew up in a sports-oriented family. So I am interested that now you've become a recent father. How are you looking at sports for your daughter, Riley? Well, um... Given that she's uh, not even 16 months old, uh, I think we're jumping the gun a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, let me ask you. I mean, she is uh, almost 16 months, and uh, what about getting her on a travel team for soccer? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, uh, I guess uh, I guess I should be asking you for advice. Uh, I, I think you did a pretty good job over the years. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to to consider. Uh, you know, I guess. I, I mean, maybe I should ask you. When when did it really start? Uh, when myself, Alyssa, and Samantha were growing up, because uh, I guess my first impression is that Riley is still pretty young. Um, but I will say, in the back of my mind. There's a lot of things that that I know a lot more about today than I did when I was growing up, and not so much from a travel team or a specialization perspective, but more from you know the importance of nutrition from an early age uh, as it relates to sports performance. You know, proper teaching, right? I mean, there there's a lot of programs out there today that you know kind of showed up late in my career, um, but you know I, things that come to mind that that I probably could have benefited a lot from when I was younger uh, are things like pro swing, you know, Dan Gray. I met Dan when I was a freshman in college uh, and he was fantastically helpful in my baseball career. But uh, my gosh, what if I met him when I was in middle school, that could have been a huge help. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, you know, injury prevention. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's really, I hope, I hope Riley, uh, who, as you said, is 15 months old. I, I hope that she, you know, finds a sport that she enjoys and she has fun with it. And hopefully it's perhaps a sport that we can share together would, would be a lot of fun the same way you and I have shared uh, baseball over the years. Well, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's hard to believe, but of course uh, time does uh, march on. Uh, and yeah, I do recall uh, back when you were probably four or five, six, seven years old. And the question even then, and of course, sports parenting, was uh, very much in full swing back then, uh, but not perhaps to the extent it is today. Uh, sports parenting, as I've said many times on the show, just gets more and more complicated with each passing year. Now, when you started out, uh, I remember having uh, conversations with your mom about, well, you know, I, I think it's important. We want our kids to play sports, but there are there's a huge variety of sports for kids to choose from, I don't think it's necessarily a smart idea to either nudge or gently push John into one of the sports that I know well. Now, when I was growing up, you know, I played baseball, of course, football, and, and basketball. Uh, I like to joke that, you know, that soccer hadn't been invented yet, uh, or even for that matter, lacrosse. But when you were, you know, five or six, you know, and I, I knew something about soccer. I had covered soccer as a sports writer. But I wasn't totally uh, really ingrained with the fundamentals of the sport or how to teach it. But it was clear that this was something that was becoming more and more popular. It was obviously a social kind of event to be in a youth soccer team. Uh, And then you eventually migrated. You you played some basketball. You fell in love with ice hockey, a sport that I have always loved, but I can't skate at all. And, of course, baseball was something I did know something about. But I always felt it was important to let the... The, the, the child sort of find their own way as what sport they wanted to play. Uh, I guess you were somewhat intrigued with football, but not necessarily the point you wanted to play it, even though I, I had played football in high school and a little bit in college. Um, look, so now that you're a dad, what do you think? What, what is your approach going to be with, with, with Riley uh, in terms of are you going to let her pick and choose the sport she wants to play, or are you going to say, you know, Riley, maybe you should th- consider – you know, playing golf, for example, or some other sport. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a good question. Um, 
my hope is to expose her to a lot of sports and she would see what she naturally gravitates towards. Um, you know, growing up uh, with you as my dad, uh, obviously, you know, part of the fun of playing baseball, but also part of the, the challenge at times was uh, being in your, in your shadow uh, and obviously, you know, playing on teams that you had played for, you know, 30 years or I, I don't even know how much, you know, prior. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that remembered how good you were. And so I kind of sometimes felt I had to live up to, to that challenge. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, you know, playing ice hockey where you couldn't skate uh, gave me the freedom to, to try a new sport, you know, with no, um, you know, no, no kind of like uh, preconceived notions from, from other players or, or, you know, scouts or coaches or, or, or what, you know, things like that. So uh, I guess my hope with Riley is, is that we can expose her to several sports and see what she, she enjoys. Um, but I also remember situations uh, from my childhood that I thought were, were kind of ahead of their time. Um, and that obviously reflects upon you in that, you know, like things like, like baseball, you, we really didn't get into it uh, in an organized way until I was probably a little bit later than the average the average kid, um, you know, T-ball and things like that, where the game moves so slowly and, and kids don't throw strikes. Um, you know, I was playing a lot more ice hockey and soccer as a young kid. And then as I got older, I played more, you know, organized baseball, but I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty smart on your part um, to hopefully make the game more enjoyable as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, being bored um, or distracted at times. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll try to take some of those, you know, teachings and apply them to Riley as well. Well, you know, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's just to me, personally, of course, uh, since you're my son, I'm talking with my son, John, John Wolf. It's just fascinating to me to have this conversation because it's sort of like getting a, a, a real good look at, at uh, you know, maybe some of the things I, I did well as a dad, as a sports parent, and perhaps some of the things I didn't do so well as a sports parent. Uh, it's, as I said, it's, it's a very complicated uh, field, and it, is, it gets more complicated with each each passing year. Um, let me do this. Uh, John, I want to take a pause right here. We'll, we'll do a sports update. Uh, but when I come back, I'm going to continue our conversation. Among the things I want to talk about are your views uh, regarding video games. Uh, and, and what do you think about that? Is that really a sport? Uh, I know you played a lot when you were a kid. Tell me about that but, uh, as you look ahead as being a sports dad. And we'll talk more about uh, your experiences in ice hockey and in baseball. But first, we'll take a timeout. Stay with me. I'll be back with more after this. Radio.com. Radio.com. My guest this morning on the Sports Edge is my son, John Wolf. <laughs> We're talking about his being a sports parent, although uh, his little one, Riley, is only 15 months old. Uh, but, you know, I'm curious to get his perspective on, as he looks back, on his experiences uh, going through youth sports, right through middle school, travel teams, high school, college, and into the pro ranks. I'm curious to get his thoughts about how sports have changed since he was a kid growing up and how he might want to you know, make some changes or do some progressive things uh, as he and his wife, Karen, uh, take care of Riley. Now, before the, uh, the break, John, I'd ask you about the advent or the impact of e-games, video gaming, uh, you know, for, for old school guys like me, we don't see that as a sport. 
I know it's extremely popular. I know that people say this is just going to take the world by storm. Uh, I know you grew up playing some video games and stuff, but now those games have become very, very sophisticated. Tell, tell me what, what your, uh, you and your buddies, when you talk, what about video games? Do you see them just as a, um, as, as, a, as a distraction, a pastime, or do you really think this is something that kids ought to be really focusing on as a possible way to go to college or even have a career? Well, I guess uh, this is one of those categories where where maybe you failed as a uh, sports parent because uh, when I was uh, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> when I was younger, I was pretty darn good at video games, and uh, if, if I didn't spend so much time outdoors uh, or reading books, maybe I could have uh, pursued a different career in gaming. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I've never heard this comment before, so I am stunned and flabbergasted. <laughs> I have to um, mention this to your mother, because it was your mom's idea that you pay attention in school and read books, okay? Just make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I had I had some real talent on, on uh, uh, old-school Nintendo, um, and uh, I could have I missed my calling. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I mean... Uh, you know, the, the the conversation of whether it's a sport or not is a difficult uh, discussion. Um, but I will say uh, I have always enjoyed watching uh, people uh, that are the best in the world at their craft, um, whether it's video gamers, whether it's poker players, whether it's chess masters. Uh, I think there's something incredibly enjoyable about watching people who excel and something that is that is complex, and I think video games certainly are, are part of that collection. And even in college, long before you know the advent of Fortnite and Twitch and, and uh, League of Legends and all these other games that are taking over the world, you know I, I do recall vividly. You know I had eight roommates in college, and we you know they I wasn't particularly that good, but they would play this game called Halo, and they would have uh, hours long tournaments. And it was it was actually a very enjoyable you know spectator sport if you will um, because they were talented and it was it was it was fun to watch um, for me um, and so it, this 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 world of, of e gaming uh, doesn't really surprise me um, as much as you know perhaps others so um, that's kind of my that's kind of my take. I'm listening to all this, John. I'm thinking, geez, costs a lot of money to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see. I'm I'm glad to hear that 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 money was well spent on watching other kids play video games. <laughs> well, if, if only if only I had the uh, the foresight to actually turn that into some type of uh, online ecosystem, it could have been uh, well worth your money. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about uh, some more of uh, the traditional sports that I'm more familiar with, uh, and then. League of Legends and and Twitch and everything else. Uh, you know, we, look, you played uh, a lot of different sports. As I mentioned, you were uh, you played ice hockey and baseball uh, and soccer in high school. Uh, you played baseball and hockey in college. You were drafted by the White Sox uh, after your junior year. You were signed by uh, longtime uh, White Sox scout uh, John Taminia. He had seen you at a workout, uh, was impressed with what, what the actions you showed, and, and he drafted you. Uh, so you go into the world of pro ball, which for all you know, all aspiring young athletes, this is a dream come true. Uh, you know, you reach that level of being a pro ball player. No, you you weren't a high draft choice. You, you weren't uh, somebody who signed for millions of dollars. But you had the chance to at least go and play pro ball uh, and to see for yourself just how you stacked up against other 
ball players, other guys who were in the pro ranks who wanted to go on to the major leagues. Uh, tell me about about that experience in terms of, of uh, when you were playing with the White Sox and then with the Mets. Um, you know, you, you go down, you, you're, it's, you're, you're playing every day with guys uh, about your age, and you're looking around, you're saying, I wonder how I, how I compare or, can, or match up against these other guys. What, what, what were your takeaways from that? Well, uh, the best part about pro ball was that there was just more time to play video games. <laughs> <laughs> and you, didn't, you didn't have to go to class all day to just wait to get back to the video games. <laughs> this, this interview is not going the way I thought it would. <laughs> okay, go on. So, so when you're not playing video games back in the in the motel or uh, whatever, you're at the ballpark. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, pro ball is is uh, for me it was a dream, uh, and, and you know, showing up in spring training and you know being mixed in with guys from UCLA and and big time programs as well as guys that were straight out of high school first round draft picks. I mean, there you know, there's there's certain players who, you know, you can just tell right away uh, the way they swing the bat, the way they throw the ball, uh, the way they carry themselves. I mean, I remember the White Sox shared a facility in spring training with the Diamondbacks, and I was uh, playing third base, and I think it might have been the first spring training game, or uh, maybe it was uh, extended spring training because it must have been after the draft. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Justin Upton had just signed, you know, first-round pick. Um, so forgive me if I get my dates confused, but it was early on in his career and, you know, just watching him play, I think I was playing third base and he hit a ball so hard that I don't even think I saw it. And if it, if I, if it, if it had hit me, it would have killed me. And it is, it was just, he was playing in a different level. Uh, and there's guys like that. And it gives you a whole appreciation of how good these players are. Um, and then of course there's guys who, you know, are good players, but, you know, they're, you know, on any given day, they look like normal humans, but some of them just keep getting better. Uh, and, and that's a, a powerful thing. The powerful, the, you know, the ability to compound your talent over, over many years of, of playing pro ball, um, you know, guys who perfect their craft. Um, you know, the guy that comes to mind is uh, Dan Murphy, who I played with, um, you know, with the Mets in, the, in their farm system. You know, Murph would show up every day. Uh, he always had great hands. Always was a good hitter, um, but he turned himself into a great hitter, um, and, and you know that was just years of compounding talent. Uh, you know, minor you know improvements every year. He'd come back and just say, "Wow, this guy turned himself into a not only a major league hitter, but a, a, you know one of the best hitters in the league." Um, you know, that watching things like that happen over time was was uh, uh, you know for me, you know, not being as talented as those guys, it was a lot of fun to watch them go about. You know, I mean, the guys uh, you mentioned, obviously, and I had the same sense of the, the distinction, like a, a Justin Upton. Again, he was an 18-year-old kid, first-round draft tours. Clearly, he was just, uh, he had gifts uh, that were just extraordinary. I remember way back in the day when I played, there were, you know, there was always a handful of guys that were like, these guys are unbelievable, and everybody else is really good at baseball, but they're not at that level. And, and uh, it was it was uh, always like you'd sit there and scratch your head and say, well, how do I get to be that good? Well, he would be that good if you had those gifts from God. But, you know, you mentioned Murphy, who was, you know, an excellent hitter, 
but made himself into an even better hitter. Uh, other guys I know you've mentioned over the years you played with, uh, like uh, Carlos Gomez and Wilmer Flores and Ruben Tejada. Um, I know you batted and competed against uh, the old St. John's ace, uh, Craig Hansen and uh, Adam Adovino. Uh, I mean, so you get a pretty good taste of just how, how good these guys really were and how you stacked up against them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch these guys. You know, I'm I'm now getting to be. It's weird when they call these guys, you know, veterans on on TV, and you know, wow, this guy is pretty old. And uh, you know, yeah, I look like, and they're, I'm the same age. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> make makes you appreciate that, that these guys have have lasted a long time in, in the big leagues. And uh, and yeah, that list. I mean, that list is uh, it's a long list. I mean, um, I, I guess you know, one of the. Uh, you know, one of the, I guess, uh, whether it's uh, you know good or bad, a lot of the guys I played with the Mets on, on that 2000, 2007 team, all of them kind of made it to the major leagues, uh, except for me. So, uh, Wait, I, I guess is that they, right? uh, all of them? You know, cut, cut the dead weight. Um, <laughs> all of them got to the bigs except you, is that correct? A lot, I mean, a lot of guys. I mean, it really was uh, a really good team. I mean, looking back, it was um, Josh Tolley. Sure. John gotcha. Neath, uh, Dan Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ike Davis was a little too young. Um, I'm forgetting a few names. Um, Bobby Parnell. Mm-hmm. Um, Juan Lagares, Ruben Tejada, Wilmer Flores. Um, you know, Gomez was traded by then, um, but he was there prior to that season. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. There's a lot. It's a, it's a, oh, there, was a, there was a catcher, Butera. Sure. Uh, who was traded, but, you know, he was part of that crew. I think it was Drew, Drew, Drew Butera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it's a lot of names, um, but we, we were all in the mix. Well, I mean, as I said, it was, it was uh, as you said, it, it had to be a lot of fun. And, again, to, to play at that elite level, uh, we're, we're playing against guys, not just the uh, top uh, college programs, but kids out of great junior colleges or, or high school, kids coming from the Caribbean, I mean, it really is eye-opening, but you get a real rare opportunity to see just, uh, you look through that prism to see just how good you are and how far you had come. Uh, and I remember going through the same thing myself uh, when I was playing ball, you know, back in the Tigers organization. All right, let me, uh, John, uh, we're talking or, about... Or, 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 uh, or, or said differently, how far you have to go. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good perspective as well, because, you know, less than, uh, you know, it's about 10% uh, of all kids in pro ball ever have a real meaningful major league career. Uh, it just The numbers are staggering. It's all about uh, guys not getting to the top. And once you get to the top, how difficult it is to stay there. Uh, John, let me take another break. Uh, when I come back, we'll continue talking about your uh, world as an athlete and now, of course, as a sports parent yourself. And we'll shift it from baseball into ice hockey. Stay with me. Hey, don't forget, uh, Ed Randall will be by here this morning at 9 o'clock. And, of course, Ed will be talking baseball with you. Make sure you stick around and and tune him in. And please, I always ask you to check out my website and my blog at AskCoachWolf.com. Or you can also follow me on Twitter at hashtag AskCoachWolf. And please don't forget to check out my book, uh, also uh, now available as an audio book, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. In fact, there's an entire chapter in that book which is devoted to sports psychology and sports parenting. What is the right age 
whether you should get involved with your youngster in terms of the mental side of sports. Now, right now, I'm talking with my son, John, who, along with his wife, Karen, are the proud parents of Riley Jane Wolf, who is all of eight, uh, all of 15 months, and we're talking about sports parenting and John's thoughts about, you know, what's going to happen, uh, his attitude and approach when Riley gets to be old enough to start thinking about playing sports. Um, you know, John, we were talking in the last section about about baseball and the, the wonderful experience you had playing in the minors. Uh, and I know you ran into some terrific coaches. Um, another one of the guys you've always admired is uh, Nick Leva, who was a big league manager and uh, was in the big leagues as a coach for a number of years. And, and Nick worked with you uh, in the White Sox organization. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Nick Leva, also known at, by his players as uh, Cuz, uh, was great. I mean, uh, it, it was a little bit of a, I felt bad for him at times because he was dealing with a bunch of rookie ball and single A players. And uh, he probably had spent, I don't even know how long in the big league. So he probably, he probably saw some baseball that he wasn't prepared to watch. Um, <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I, that I took from him, even as I coach uh, or volunteer coach here and there um, is, you know, I was his starting shortstop for, you know, three or four months uh, with the White Sox and the Miners. Uh, and then, of course, as it happens every year, the draft came along, and they just so happened to pick up a shortstop, uh, a kid named John Shelby, a uh, good player in the fifth round, and gave him, gave him some money. And so Nick kind of you know, let me know that they, were gonna, they wanted to see what he could do, and so I was going to become more of a role player uh, and take a back seat to uh, the new draft pick, which I totally understood. But what was curious, other than having that conversation, is that when I was starting every day for four months, Nick, Nick didn't spend a ton of time talking to me. He kind of let me go out there and do my job. But then when I was on the bench, being more of a role player, coming in for the occasional defensive replacement or pinch hitting situation, you know, Cuz spent uh, a lot of time talking to me and the other bench players, role players. And, and I finally asked him one day, I said, Yo, yo, cuz, uh, why are you spending so much time focusing on the guys on the bench? Like, shouldn't you be spending time focusing on the superstars, you know, in the field? And he was like, Wolfie, you know, the guys in the field are doing their job. They're engaged. They're playing the game. They know what to do. You know, he's like, I got to keep my guys on the bench focused on the game, engaged. And, and because, you know, uh, you know, we might need you late in the game, and I can't have you drifting off or not being engaged. I need to keep them focused. And so I always thought about that, that he spends more time talking to his uh, role players than he does to his uh, starters. And, you know, I think that I think that is a pretty powerful uh, way to, to manage a ball club. Yeah, I, I agree. That That's a tremendous insight. And I'm glad that lesson has stayed with you uh, because that's the kind of tip coming from Nick Leva, who's a lifer in baseball, uh, you know, that's that's good stuff because, unfortunately, too many times the coaches tend to focus all their efforts on their starting players, and they just sort of forget about the guys on the bench and not you know, not realizing those guys could really play an important role in the outcome of a game. Uh, John, let's let's turn now from, uh, from baseball into the world of ice hockey because you've had these parallel paths uh, in those fields, in those, in those sports, and I'm, I'm curious, I mean, you played – and again, I, as I said a few minutes ago, I didn't really have any background or experience uh, in, in ice hockey. I love the sport to watch it, but I can't skate at all. All I know is I spent countless hours 
uh, you know, sitting in freezing cold rinks watching you play. Uh, but, you know, you played against kids uh, who also went on to have pretty good careers in, in ice hockey, um, you know, at the collegiate and in some cases in the, uh, in the NHL. I know um, when you were playing in the Empire State Games, which was a top-level competition uh, in New York, uh, when you were in high school, you played against guys like uh, Chris Higgins and, and people like that. I mean, were those guys to you, was a kid like Higgins clearly a superior hockey player compared to the rest of really good hockey players around him? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think when we played against Chris Higgins in the Empire State games, we lost 10-1. to 1. Uh, And the reason why I remember that is I think I had the one goal for us and he had the 10 goals for Long Island. Uh, <laughs> so I think he was pretty good. Um, <laughs> Um, and, you know, obviously on that team was, uh, you know, Eric Nystrom and Mike Komisarek and guys like that. So, you know, you have a couple NHL players on a high school team that uh, they're going to do some damage. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he, he was he was a pretty special player. Uh, you, you knew that at a young age. And when you were playing up uh, during your middle school years, you were playing out of Connecticut and, and Darien. Uh, and you were playing against, again, Connecticut obviously has great hockey as well, like a, a player like a Hugh Jessamine who went on to be a first-round draft choice. Um, but even at that age, was it clear that he was going to be a, a top player in, in college? Uh, I mean, Hugh, Hugh was he, he was a superstar growing up. Um, you know, he was a, a big body uh, with good hands, you know, kind of built in that Eric Lindros uh, kind of model of player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 game, the game kind of changed a, a lot over the last uh, 15 years or so since, you know, I was in high school or, you know, playing through college. Um, and so I think, you know, there was, there were certain changes, you know, in terms of what types of players were more desirable. Uh, but yeah, Hugh was always, you know, one of the top players around. I mean, he was a huge, huge star at Dartmouth. Um, um, but you know, then, but it just, it just kind of, you know, it's unclear kind of how the game evolved, but you had guys, you know, kind of, um, come out of programs, uh, even guys I remember that grew up playing with, with, uh, myself and Hugh as well, guys like Ryan Shannon. Uh, you know, who end up w- winning Stanley Cups uh, in the NHL? So mm-hmm. it, it's you know, it's hard it's hard to say you know who kind of becomes a superstar at each level. But um, I mean, to be a first round pick like you, you you have to be a pretty special talent. Yeah, I mean, there are parallels obviously to between hockey and baseball in terms of trying to spot kids and trying to project how they're going to develop. In fact, it's funny. I was just thinking about that that Darien team you played on for a couple of years. Uh, really good ice hockey players. Uh, one of them, one of your teammates was uh, Matt uh, Madelon, who eventually went on to become a top lacrosse goalie, as I recall, and is now the uh, the men's uh, lacrosse coach at Princeton. <laughs> I, um, I mean, it's amazing how, how all these various, again, we talked a little bit about specialization and the fact that you didn't. Obviously, Matt didn't either. He went from being a great hockey player to being a great lacrosse player. Those Those skills transfer and transition. Did you, I mean, looking ahead... What are your views about specialization for uh, for for Riley or any other other kids you may have? Yeah, it's a good question. But you know, now that we're talking about all these guys who you know became big time stars at, at the highest levels, um, you know, it's kind of funny. If I look back on my career, if I had known, <laughs> if you, you know, if I had a crystal ball and I had known that all these guys would become NHL stars or Major League Baseball stars or you know. Uh, first round draft picks, you know, it, it makes you wonder, like maybe I, uh, you know, I could have used a patent of back and say, Hey John, like, 
you know, don't, don't get too frustrated. You're playing against some pretty good players. Cause I think sometimes you come home and you're like, wow, like I'll never be as good as uh, Hugh Jessamine or Eric Nystrom. And you're like, oh yeah, well, they're also going to be, uh, you know, first round draft picks. So don't, don't feel too bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, you know, again, that's, that's the thing. You don't have that kind of perspective when you're just a kid, you're just trying to go out and you're living up to your own potential, but yeah, this is what happens. And it's it, that, that, that pyramid of competition in amateur sports, it gets steeper and steeper as you climb up the ladder. But again, it's the kind of thing where, you know, when you have a few years pass and you look back and you say, you know what, geez, I'm sure glad I was so privileged uh, and fortunate to have that opportunity to at least experience that, to see for myself just how good I was and how good I was against some of the very best in the business. Uh, John, I'm afraid... Yeah, to, to, answer your, to answer your question on specialization, though, I think... You know, I think I struggled um, with burnout at at times, and so, you know, for me, and this is uh, this is a you know a personal choice. Um, you know, for me, as the seasons changed, um, you know, I, for me, it provided a, a mental break from hockey or baseball, uh, and, and it kept the, the sports fun for me. So, for me, you know, having those, uh, you know. Three sports may have been too much, um, and you know, naturally, soccer for me fell to the wayside through high school. But for me, having the, the hockey and baseball switch per season, you know, gave my my brain a break from you know playing one sport constantly. So, um, uh, you know, every every athlete is different, but for me, it, it you know, when when the winter season came around, I was genuinely excited to go play hockey because you know, I had played baseball all summer. Uh, and that worked for me, um, but I can see um, why other kids might prefer to play one sport all year round and just focus on that, and maybe they can improve uh, and get to the next level faster. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, you know, I, I felt that burnout, uh, especially in hockey, towards you know the end of my senior year of high school, and um, that, it's tough to come back from that once you once you feel that 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 feeling. No question. Burnout is a real growing problem with kids today who find themselves playing that same sport all year round. And um, yeah, I, I'm glad you're sensitive to that because that'll help guide you as you as you steer Riley through her various sports. John, obviously I could talk to you for a, for a good long time. I have found this to be just generally fascinating and intriguing. And I thank you for, for taking some time this morning to come on and talk about your experiences now that you are uh, uh, on, on the brink of becoming a sports dad yourself. Th- thanks, John. My pleasure. Maybe next time we can talk about all the mistakes we made. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I made any mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, John. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> thanks, Dad. All right, let me take a quick break. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Radio.com. Okay, I, I obviously very much enjoy talking with uh, my son, John, about his experiences uh, as an athlete and uh, obviously thrilled that he was able to come on this morning and talk really quite candidly about everything from uh, his thoughts about uh, video games uh, to his years as a ball player and as a hockey player. And now that he's a, a sports parent himself, what, what he's looking forward to in terms of making sure he doesn't make the same kind of mistakes that, that perhaps I made. Uh, but again, I, I thank John. Obviously, he's we're thrilled that he's done well and he's enjoyed his, his years in sports. I should point out, by the way, that John is now, you know, he is 35. He still plays a lot of uh, uh, amateur hockey, still plays a lot of semi-pro baseball. So obviously, he still has a great enjoyment 
uh, for those sports. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Tommy Lugauer. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.